irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. You're listening to Razor Riffs with Keith Razor and Alan Lee right here on LA Talk Radio. Excellent. Welcome to the show. How are you doing, Alan Lee? How are you doing, Keith Reza? I'm really good. It's a beautiful day here in the Valley at LA Radio. What more could you want? Yeah, definitely. Uh, so this is our sixth season, mm, all right? Six uh, already? Today's the sixth yeah. uh, season, and we have a great guest. He's uh, stuck in traffic, so I figured we'd start and do the opening remarks now. You know what I mean? That so sounds, just get it over that with. That sounds like a plan. Sounds like a plan. Uh, first of all, if you like the show, uh, subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes at Raise a Riffs. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we need the reviews and the feedback, and, you know, we really enjoy that. Uh, so our guest today, you've seen him on the television show Silicon Valley, uh, Deadpool, and you have heard him as the star of the hit movie, The Emoji Movie. You can also see him perform stand-up comedy at Levity Live in Oxnard this weekend. Tickets can be bought at levity.oxnard.com. Uh, the great and the hysterical T.J. Miller will be here. All right, yeah, man. So I'm looking at, uh, I'm looking forward mm-hmm. to that. Uh, Excuse me. I loved him in Deadpool because I'm a huge Deadpool fan. You are indeed, and uh, I'm not quite. Uh, although I do have the action figure, and I gave you one, a small one yeah. for Christmas. Yeah, no, you I was, a, yeah. Yeah, he gave me an action figure of Deadpool for Christmas. You do you still have it? You, yeah, I still have it. That's nice. Yeah, because I knew. You, see, I'm. Deadpool grew on me. Yeah. And with two, I, I, I love the character now. Of Deadpool? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was awesome. Uh, TJ played Weasel. Weasel. Yeah, which is uh, his best friend. Let me ask you something. When you say best friend, I was going to ask TJ uh, that question. Would you say he was a sidekick? In, in the comic books? Mm-hmm. Or? No, in the movie, Weasel. I think, I think yeah, but I think that uh, they kind of like stirred it more away to just a Deadpool story. You know what I mean? But if you... Uh, TJ... Like, his performances, like, it was really... Because Ryan Reynolds was a perfect is a perfect Deadpool, but TJ was, like, way funnier than Ryan Reynolds in all the scenes they had together, oh. which was, like, mm-hmm. really, you know, yeah, refreshing. I, I, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, sure. Like, that's, a good, that's a good to have a mm-hmm. comic reactor mm-hmm. who, yeah. you know, likes to improvise lines and have someone kind of beat him. You know sure. what I mean? Let me ask you a question. Would you say what you just said if Brian Reynolds was sitting here? Because you know how I feel about Brian Reynolds. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds? <laughs> Brian, Brian. No, it's Ryan. Ryan. Excuse me, Ryan. I, yeah. I'm confused with the director, Brian. But when TJ gets here, call him Brian. Yeah. Well, you know, the director. That'd Bra- be funny. <laughs> <laughs> so would you have said this in front of Ryan Williams? Oh, yeah. Wait, Williams? Reynolds. You know what? Oh, I'm, I'm so confused. I'm so confused now. Ah. Uh. Yeah. Would you have said you're this? you're practicing the bit for when yeah. TJ gets in? Yeah, and see I'm that's there you go. It. See there you go. Uh, I was rehearsing that. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I probably would have. Yeah, mm-hmm. because you know that's just how I am. Like I just have no filter, and I just you that's know. right. But uh, like like right now, yeah, with the Williams and and, the, and all that, knowing that I'm going through all this stress. You're going through stress. Wait, I feel like you're picking on me right now. No, no, I said I'm going through some stress. I'm not picking on you. Oh. Right. I'm looking for empathy and, and, and compassion. I, I can't. I have Asperger's. That's right. I keep forgetting sometimes. <laughs> you remember that one time we were playing basketball and you broke your ankle? And you're like, oh, I broke my ankle. And I was like, okay, well, let's get McDonald's. 
That's true. <laughs> but I remember the time when I took that tumble downtown and that ghost, uh, that hotel that's haunted. Oh, what was that? The, that was Alexander the... Hotel. You were sh- you were doing a show there, right? With our friend there from uh, the the. Uh, that was a long fall too. I wish we we should photograph the stairs. Yeah. Remember that? I do. Wow. That was that. I remember that scared the crap out of me because, um, you know, my mom, you know, since she had a stroke a few years ago, she's uh, she falls down the stairs a lot, and it always scares me because, yeah. like, that's that's just oh, scary. You know what I mean? And I remember when that happened to you, like those flashbacks of when my mom fell. I was like, oh yeah. my god! And like, mm-hmm. I mean, you could have. You could have been seriously hurt. I think uh, you actually hurt your arm, like pretty bad. Didn't you? you know what? Believe it or not, now in the last week, mm-hmm. I can do this now. It took that long. You could rotate it. Yeah. Oh, nice. I swear, I was in shock. I went, "Wow, I'm healed. I'm, I'm healed." You know, they have these new computers yeah. here, so I don't know how to run it. Oh, I, was say, I didn't even look. Yeah, I mean it's the same program, but I was going to say like maybe I could call him and just have him do you know half phone interview. But uh, I don't know how to what? use this guy. Is he in tran- is, is he in his car? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. I'll give him a text, and uh, he's uh, uh, he's on his way. So, oh, well, but you know, uh, traffic in the valley and all that stuff. Yeah, we had an easy one coming here from. That's because we leave at. Uh, what time did we leave today? We left at nine, or at we, least I left we, at nine we, to pick you up. Yeah, but we left at ten. Yeah, because I live in Huntington Beach, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. traffic. You know what's weird is traffic is never that bad coming here. It's mm-hmm. always that bad going back home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I always found that very fascinating. But yet, you live in Los Angeles, so that kind of like flips it. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like traffic to you is bad everywhere. That's true. Because you live in Los I live Angeles. Right in the middle of it. In L.A. In Inglewood. In Inglewood. Or the, uh, or the hood. They call it Inglehood sometimes. <laughs> Do they? They call it Englehood? Yeah. In fact, when I was on the bus, uh, we, you know, I had my car, we had all these problems. The car was in the garage. A gang member on the bus coming back you know, from Hollywood, I took right. him all the way down to Brea. He, he sat next to me and says, you want to know something? We think you are the bomb. He said that to That's you? That's right. And he, he was s- a gang member? Yeah. He says, we see you walking around. And he told me, he says, don't, don't ever worry about getting jumped. Or oh, anything. so he was like showing you his respect. Yeah. Like he's got your back. Yeah. Oh. But the conversation started at the bus stop. I, didn't, I left that out. We were talking. He had problems with his girlfriend. And I said, oh, that's bad and all this. And so he kind of like, oh, it's, it's, oh, you, oh, yeah, you're cool. We see you and all that. Is yeah. that, is that a, an interesting, it's almost like a beginning of a movie. No, no, it's very interesting. Actually, my, it's ironic that you said that because my dad, uh, he does janitorial services where he cleans buildings and mm-hmm. stuff. You know that? Mm-hmm. Uh, when he first started the company like 30 years ago, he did buildings in L.A., and it was like for the cribs or something like it was underground crib thing and the cribs liked him so much and they said the exact same thing they said hey if you ever need to like mm-hmm. you know us to kidnap your child sure. or throw him in the gutter or something oh. you call us luckily my dad never took him up on that offer and you're because you, you're the child <laughs> exactly it's <laughs> <laughs> my sophisticated yeah. sense of humor i think it's good yeah so i'm gonna give uh, tj a text to see uh, his whereabouts because uh I like the iPhone. Do you, do you like the iPhone? I like it. I like it. And I, but I tell you something. I, I like that. Uh, the um, I like the Chrome phone though. The cr- the Chrome. Phone. The, you know the phone, the uh, the Google phone rather. Uh huh. I like the Google phone. Oh, like the Android. Yeah, I love the Android. Oh, 
Why? Well, it's the way it works, and it's like I think the wall, everything, it seems safer to me. Yeah, yeah. But it's hard. I like them all. You like the phones. Yeah, I love phones. Do you remember the BlackBerry? Yes, I do. That, that was a great phone. That was probably the phone that invented texting, if you think about With it. With all the tiny little little uh, keys on it, right? Yeah. So that would be that would be cool, you and know? You're very fast texting. I noticed that. When you're in the car, man, you're just, your fingers are flying over that board. Yeah, I'm pretty fast. But uh, 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 people who... Uh, hold on, sorry, I'm texting. I can't do two <laughs> things at once. <laughs> You're tip, you're you're it's pretty fast right now. You're really moving. I yeah, but I I, uh, I I can't do. I can't, I I think that's probably like also with my ADD. Like I can't mm-hmm. focus on two. Mm-hmm. What was your question? <laughs> I said that you do that so well, and uh, you, it was just you know multitasking. Oh yeah. So like. I think that's just something that, like, I, you know, you grow up used to, like, yeah. fast texting sure. and all that stuff. Because when I was a kid, uh, they had this thing called a pager. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. And I remember, like, you weren't cool unless you had a pager. Mm, they were little. Yeah. And you couldn't do anything. And what, what a pager was is you go find a phone and mm-hmm. you call a pager and it doesn't ring or anything. It just tells you someone tried to call you. Yeah. So call them back. Was that funny? It was, back in the day. Yeah, but like it was, it was weird because like that's the it was the best invention in the world. Like everyone loved it. Like ooh, I'm getting a page, and then like it's kind of mm-hmm. stupid. You know what I mean? Well, it's kind of like if you think about the first form of text messaging in a way. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Or well, like missed calling. Well, nobody could believe that they could be found like walking around. Right. That's what blew everybody's mind. They couldn't believe. Oh God, you know, someone's calling me. And it, and I, they know that I'm, I'm around somewhere, you know. Yeah. And so was it? Did you have a pager? No. No, I, I did. I had a red one. Yeah. I didn't have a pager. And I got one for Christmas. And I, I think part of the reason why I got it was because, uh, oh, we just got a page. Oh yeah, they. It's they, like a page. A page. They just said, uh, they're on their way, upstairs. So perfect. There, so TJ's going to be running. We were talking it. about that, and that, that was kind of like... And a, I just got a page. Just got, <laughs> yeah, in 2018. Yeah. That's I think, like Back to the Future. Yeah. So he's going to run in and like... Then, you know, I think he's going to run? Yeah, he's going to run Big in. guy. Big guy? 6'11". Six, 6'11? Six, 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 were you no, going to no, say no, he no, was 6'11"? No no no, 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 no. He was maybe 6'1". 6'1". I added a 1 yeah. accidentally in my mind. 6'1's not really that tall, though. It's over six foot. What's yeah. tall? Oh, you were a basketball fan. I forget. So yeah, tall. a lot, a lot of basketball, basketball players like the guards are like yeah. six feet to six sure. six. You know, no, for, for professional yeah. basketball. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, but maybe I don't think six feet is tall because like I grew up watching basketball. So you know what I mean? Like I figured those guys were tall. Yeah, yeah. See, I'm I'm not a huge basketball fan, but I do watch it occasionally. Yeah. I once and, saw Travis Knight at a Laker game. Yeah. He used to play for the Lakers. Sure. And he was a white guy, and he was, like, yeah. so tall. He was terrible. Yeah. Like, really bad at basketball. Really? Yeah. And they think that they, there's this theory that they say, like, the taller you are, the better at basketball you'll be. I never heard that. Yeah. And, but now it's, like, reversed because now basketball is, like, a point guard game. Like, you know, the smaller guys right. are Moving like huge quick. scorers now. Sure. So it's, like, the guy who – and there's sure. T.J. Miller. He, and, he brought his friend. Yeah, come on in, buddy. <laughs> is that his 
Is that his bodyguard? <laughs> I don't He's know. Crazy. Hey, TJ, how are you, hey, pal? TJ, you know, we were just how talking. Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, we were talking. Hi, TJ's bodyguard. Hi. Hello, I'm Alan Lee, uh-huh. the unknown guy. How are you, TJ? Alan yeah. Lee, how are you? And we were talking. This is the unknown. We were joking about my because um, there uh, was an unknown comic. No, no, not that show. one. See, I'm getting myself. Yeah. No, no, we I, don't. I'm almost stealing material as we I speak to the man. We don't. Uh, <laughs> right, you're already. In a, uh, uh, so yeah, we don't know who that comic is. So yeah, could, what the fuck? Doesn't and, yeah, bag. bag. And wow. He's never, he's but, never going to uh, come and say no. It was me. So I think true. you're safe. His name was Thank Murray, you. wasn't I feel, it? You're safe. I feel I, more all I ever knew was the the bag over. Yeah. So how are you, TJ? Are Thanks you? so much for doing. Funny, thank you. I'm glad this worked out. We yeah. got going. Oxnard yeah. um, this weekend. We plugged yeah. it. Beautiful. It's gonna be fun. We just we just plugged. Have you ever done? You. Yeah, because the club didn't do a very good job. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm glad. Um, no, I've never done Oxnard. Uh, I didn't even know that it was a place until they asked you. Yeah. To In fact, <laughs> I told some friends that uh i was gonna do oxnard california and one of my buddies was like yeah seriously though where are you playing because he thought i made up the name yeah and i think it's just a uh it's a um you know something that people from the valley know yeah but if you're not from the valley you're from los angeles proper then Mm -hmm. nobody Mm -hmm. nobody in hollywood or anything is like oh yeah oxnard yeah they're all time they say ventura sherman yeah 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 they say ventura yeah don't they yeah. I think so. He's Big Bear. Big Abe is Big Bear. I'm sorry. Yeah. Big, I'm sorry. Big Bear? Big or, Abe. And he lives oh, Big in, Abe. He big lives Abe. in Big Bear. Yeah. Ah, Big he Abe. He only live big... places or do things that have the word big in them. Oh, well, that's, I like <laughs> that's that. That's his brand. I like uh, that. That's very funny. Yeah. So he's. Uh, we've worked together since Chelsea lately. Yeah. And it was. Uh, we met and he. I couldn't get in uh, to a club. I was like across the street and. I had some time before going up with the Haha ha Cafe. Oh, that's a great club. Yeah, which is up here. Mm-hmm. It's a really funny one. It was it was that one, and I have a couple like this in New York that was really hard a lot of the time. And part of it was I was the only, like, uh, well, not the only white comedian, but it was a very urban room. Right. And so it wouldn't always be super easy for me, but I played urban clubs in Chicago coming up. So it was really, you know, fun to go in there and have an audience who's like, all right, this motherfucker, let's see how it goes. Mm-hmm. And then it would go well um, mm-hmm. because I have experience there and my material is kind of universal. Mm-hmm. And so um, I, but I wanted to sort of chill and have a drink. And uh, so I went over and it, the, he ID'd me and I said, you know, um, I don't have an ID, but uh, I'm from this movie and this movie. And he looked at me, he's like, Oh, yeah. <laughs> so he let me in. And then, you know, as you can see, we'll tell the viewers, he is gigantic. Oh, yeah. Man, I didn't. Um, he can, I, he could kill a, yeah, a he could kill a bear with his hands, which is what yeah. he does as a hobby and big, big, bear. big bear. I'm just big kidding. Bear, he'd kill a big but he also, like, because um, I can't read people because I have autism, but I get, <laughs> but. You're I, on the spectrum. You, you could, no, no, but, but see clearly. No, but I, I could feel thing. energy. You have autism, but you don't have glaucoma. Yeah. But, but I, I could feel energy. So like, I get the great energy that you're just a sweetheart at heart. Yeah, he is. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. 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 <laughs> it was a hesitation there. Yeah. But he, you know, yeah, he was trying to give my secrets. Away. When it, okay, when it, when it comes, to, when it comes down to it, he does, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. he does really well. We were just talking mm-hmm. outside about. Mm-hmm. 
The next film that I'm in is called Underwater, and it's with Kristen Stewart, and it comes out next year. We don't have a release date yet, but probably in the first quarter. And that was really fun. That was another disaster movie, which was oh. sort of a return to my Cloverfield roots, because that was oh. the first film I ever did. Yeah. I was behind right. the camera, but that was a movie yeah. where I was the comedy, but mm-hmm. the genre was not comedy. Mm-hmm. And sure. so I, um, you know, this is a film actually 10 years after that that um, sort of shows, you know, now I've done 10 years of acting, that idea of 10,000 hours, 10 years as a stand-up comedian. Yeah. You know, that's a magic number. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was it was really, really good. It, I, I think it, it, it's a performance where you go, oh, wow, yeah, he has grown and developed as an actor, which, of course, is not true. I just... <laughs> I'm just funnier and have learned how to remain acting naturally yeah. between the jokes. And, um, but you know, that's great. And so we were joking about how in, uh, in, uh, New Orleans where we filmed it, uh, which was really weird cause I was cutting weight. So I wasn't drinking or eating fried food or any mm-hmm. of that stuff. So being in New Orleans when you're not drinking uh, or eating their food, it's just like, being in a zoo right you know and you're the only human so you, we i remember kate and i went to a jazz club and we ordered iced teas and the bartender thought we were joking like it took a second for him to be like come on all right quit fucking with me you want long island iced teas yeah. nope just iced tea and uh and so it you know that it was interesting to be in new orleans but then Kristen stewart had a security team and uh, she ended up firing her bodyguard because Abe was so much better than him. And oh. he kind of took over the, being the lead of all of the security for the film. So yeah. in the morning, he would sort of have these briefings and everybody would. So that was really, really funny. And then when we went to the uh, premiere for Office Christmas party, Jennifer Aniston's security detail was sort of turning to him to ask questions and stuff like that. So he kind of he, he walks into a room and he starts running shit immediately. But, yeah. Yeah. She- He's mentoring. Yes, he's mentoring other. That's right. He's a, he's a big a big brother, little brother sort of situation. And uh, so yeah, we've we've worked together for uh, you know since Chelsea Lately. Because I said to him, I said, "Well, do you ever do any security?" He said, "Yeah," because um, he has he's bodyguarded for a lot of people, including twin rappers. Yeah. And um and and so I brought him to Chelsea Lately kind of as a joke and I was like we're never going to mention why you're here or even <laughs> acknowledge any of it and uh, it was so funny and Chelsea liked him so much that we kept having him come and he was on the show and he's been on the Critics' Choice Awards and so he's kind of become a great friend who yeah. also is a very effective bodyguard wow, and uh, that's pretty funny because People never know. They're like, is this real or is this not real? Yeah. And I'm always like, look, you just got to be careful. Well, because see, Alan Lee's my bodyguard and he can't take on anyone. He just lets people beat me up. Hey, look, well, no, he looks I, like he has the razor sharp wit that will leave, leave a man with emotional paper cuts. All oh, around. my God. You heard it right here, ladies yeah, and gentlemen. Yeah, that's exactly right. So we, uh, yeah, so we, yeah. We've, we've had a good time, and he's mm-hmm. he's been there for all of it. And, uh, you know, once we started hosting awards shows and, pre, you know, I produced Goreburger and Mashup on Comedy Central, but Goreburger especially, we had a lot of celebrity guests. So he yeah. was sort of there doing security for that the entire time. Mm-hmm. And then, um, yeah, he's just, you know, now we live in New York, which is fantastic for me and for Kate, 
but he and I don't see each other as much. So Oxnard was a good opportunity to. Uh, well, there was a time when you lived in L. A. for a while. Oh yeah, for I, eight years. Yeah, because I saw you all the time at the Laugh Factory. Yeah, I played the Laugh Factory, the Improv. I, you know, I played the Comedy Store a little bit, Ha Ha Cafe, obviously, yeah. um, and that was great. But in Los Angeles, you can do one, maybe two sets on a weekday. And then if you push it, you can do three, maybe four sets. I think my record is five sets or six sets. In maybe L.A.? Five in Los Angeles. Oh, wow. In and then are. just in Los Angeles. In, in New, New York, York, you do like 13. I do three to five sets on a weekday. Yeah. Wow. Three to five different shows all over Manhattan. And then uh, on a weekend, which I tour on the weekend, so I tour every weekend. But if I'm in New York on a weekend, I can do, like you said, you know, 10 to 15 sets instead yeah. of... Just uh, and and I'm in at every club there, including the comedy cellar. So mm -hmm. I really do a lot of stand up. And I am the type of guy, work ethic wise, that I will go and do, um, you know, a weekend and do those five shows and perform for two thousand plus people. And then when I land, like I did a Scandinavian tour just recently, which was very strange. That was a um, that was a weird thing to have to slow down mm -hmm. the timing and understand that these people's second language is English, mm -hmm. yeah. but not slow it down so much that it was either condescending where it's like, right. so in New York, homeless <laughs> people, people without homes <laughs> will, uh, you know, look at each other. So they'll look into each other's eyes. That doesn't work at all. Then yeah. everyone's like, we know English. Okay. But if you go too quickly, which some of my comedy, I speak really quickly saying, like, time is the closest thing that we have to a deity in a post-religious, post-meaning society. It's the only thing that's omniscient, omnipresent, and omnipotent. And I go into that. That's yeah. just, that moves too quickly. Mm -hmm. So I had to adjust. And I'd say by the time we were on the last dates of the tour, I had figured it out. Mm -hmm. But those first dates in Copenhagen, uh, mm -hmm. in Denmark, and even Amsterdam, mm -hmm. I was still sort of... Um, you know, grinding the gears a little bit. Amsterdam was so weird because you go there and you're like, oh, everybody's going to be so drunk. Sure. But actually, the people that live there don't like that aspect of yeah. the reputation of the city. Oh. And so they're they're quite, uh, not reserved mm -hmm. like Norway, but uh, they're much more tame. Yeah, yeah. They're there having a couple of beers yeah. and that's it. No one's on mushrooms or anything like that. They but, were weird in Amsterdam, though. Was, this guy showed up with whole oranges sure. for me, which is a part of my act, but sure. not one that I talk about. Oh, right. Wow. So he had figured that out, <laughs> and then, yeah, and then uh, somebody else, you know, <laughs> was ready to play the slide trombone. I mean, the act is very strange, uh, and they seem to be excited about it and get that. But I got back from Scandinavia, mm -hmm. got off the plane, and went and did four sets. Wow. So wow. I think most people would say, oh, I'm so jet-lagged, I'm just going to take it easy tonight. I kind of got home, rested for a little bit, and then just went straight into it and was doing sets uptown and downtown. Yeah. But New York's the type of place we live right in Greenwich Village. So New York, I will leave, you know, my place and I can, there are, I think we thought, I think we found out there's six clubs within three blocks yeah, yeah. Um, of one another. And that's about five blocks from me. So I did three sets, and on the way home, there was a comic coming out of the Greenwich Village Comedy Club, and I said, "What uh, is the show still going? And they're like, yeah, I think the last guy's on. So I just went downstairs, since I know the owner, I said, do you mind if I get on at the end of it? And in New York, it's very strange, because um, I'm sort of one of the biggest celebrities that does stand-up, which I don't really think of myself as a celebrity, and I know right. it's hard for me to track 
the fame aspect of me as a person. But if you think about it, the only people that live there really are like Amy Schumer and, yeah. you know, I mean, you know, I, I, I would struggle to name five comedians who are television and movie stars in New York, in, in New York City. Everybody mm-hmm. lives here. Yeah. And that's very interesting because there are so many more clubs. There are like 15 clubs in Manhattan alone that need and want drop-ins. And so I can kind of drop in anywhere, and it's very easy for me to go in and say, hey, can I get on next? And that's what happens. And then I bounce to the next place. So I'm, as a stand-up, I'm in the perfect position in New York City, and I've been really lucky. I mean, it's really fortunate that that's the uh, deal for me in New York City. And we're going to live, you know, we own a house out there, so we're going to live there for the rest of it. Yeah. And uh, I just like it so much more. I also have a tough time. I was never happy in Los Angeles. I just got to a point where I was settled in and had my spots, which I'm sure you guys have the places that you go to and make you happy here. And so, you know, Kate and I would like to go to, we got engaged at LACMA and we've got the movie theaters that we love and we got the local haunts and I, we live in Hollywood Hollywood Heights, actually. And so we, um, you know, I like that I can walk there and, mm-hmm. you know, eat at Musso and Frank's, which yeah. I'm probably going to do after this. We're going to get Abe some liver and onions. Yeah. He really loves that like stuff. Look forward to it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's, he's, he's not quite as adventurous as I am with uh, the culinary aspect. Uh-huh. I think he's more into bodyguarding. Well, Alan really wanted to like uh, share this with you because uh, we usually just provide like regular water. And Alan said, hey, I Googled TJ and said his favorite water was Perrier. Ah, I love that. And my favorite <laughs> facial spray is Evian. So yeah. that's exactly perfect. <laughs> No, I, I, you know, I went on the Scandinavian tour. It's funny that you did this because on the Scandinavian tour, this yeah. guy who was our tour manager, Dog, D-A-G, which was so fun because I'd be like, what's up, Dog? And uh, and so he told me, he was like, do you want to get some sparkling water? I said, oh, yeah, for sure. And he said, I'm really into sparkling water. But he kept saying bubble water. He's like, I love bubbly water. I'm obsessed with it. So we all the time while we were there were trying different. He goes, I love this sparkling water. This is my favorite one because it has the most bubbles and it's the most refreshing. So that was that was very funny because I'm sort of on the straight and narrow, not really drinking or smoking. I got to say, though, coming to Los Angeles, it is so ingrained in me that marijuana is immediately the thing you do when you land. Oh, yeah. That I came home and I was going, all right, so I guess. And I just I wanted to smoke. I smoke cloves. But you just you have this feeling when I get to our apartment here where I'm, you know, I'm so used to having a joint as I land rather than what you would have in New York, which would be a cocktail or something. Right. That uh, it was very strange last night. I found myself walking around the apartment kind of looking for something that wasn't marijuana to smoke. And there was nothing like that. So, I, you know, I, I looked I looked like a drug addict whose drug of choice was cloves. But because I was like searching behind stuff and looking in containers and going outside. And I think I went all the way to the I was like, did I leave cloves in the um, in the toolbox? I was drinking the toolbox. I mean, that is that's that's like a middle-aged dad who's yeah. going through a crisis and he's promised his wife he's not going to smoke anymore and it's like gosh she's not home i can't you know but instead kate's just there going why are you wandering around yeah like it's ridiculous so 
that you know that that that's kind of a a new thing. But yeah, we loved the the Scandinavian sparkling water tours. What I'm going to call it next oh, time we go out there. That's pretty cool. Bubbly and effervescent, as well as amusing. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So, and thank you guys for having me. Oh, thank you. Um, because, I've been I've been trying to get you for years, but I think yeah. I've been writing a fake account or someone who's been catfishing I, me. I, I would believe that. <laughs> yeah, uh, I actually told you that on on a text message. Yeah, I have one uh, email that is very bad porn at gmail dot com, <laughs> and I give that out, and people are like, "This isn't real." Yeah, and so most people don't email me. <laughs> oh, uh, but it's a idea. Gmail account that's for. You know, that's how you can email me off of my Facebook and stuff like that. So, um, but it, it's nice to do this. I think, you know, a big thing in Los Angeles, we can get into the fact that, it's, you know, this is not my absolute favorite place is yeah. I would really try and keep it to a minimum. And, and, you know, since the beginning of all of this, I just work so much that I'm not a guy who's, you know, I had, I've had publicists off and on, but I'm just not a guy who wants to uh i don't know how do you say that I'm, I'm not i'm not gunning to get on the front of a magazine or something because i'm already worried people are like all right enough i'm sick of you every movie right. that i went to this summer you're in it <laughs> and so i try you know i i really try i don't really do i i'm i'm not a guy who's wanting to get on you know carson daily and the more seacrest or that's that's not something that i need to yeah. keep reminding people that i exist and it's a weird thing where I know one of the guys that does the Stern after show and but at Sirius XM, you know, one guy was like, you know, if you got on the Stern after show, that's kind of the pathway to get on Stern. And I just said, yeah, I mean, I, that would be cool. And he yeah. just couldn't believe that I wasn't like, really? OK, so how sure. when can I do it? And the, really the only Sirius XM shows I like to do are Ron Bennington because he talks a lot about. Um, art and social criticism and stuff like that. And my wife's and that's what you're artist. into, yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm a social satirist, probably first and foremost, and then as well as an absurdist. And then uh, Nikki Glazer is a really good friend of mine. Yeah. And then I, my pizza friend in New York, is this guy Roland who has a food court show. So we, you know, I'll go on there and we'll talk food and stuff. But it's just, you know, I, I think it, I do raw dog uh, comedy sometimes yeah. on Comedy Central Radio. But for the most part, publicity and interviews and things like that, it's just uh, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not scrambling to get it. So yeah, yeah. often what happened with us happens, which yeah. is, you know, you, we're sort of going back and forth over a long period of time. But then we can make it happen. Right. And we did. And we're here now <laughs> with the unknown comic. I won't tell the real one. And Big Abe. And we're just, you know, we are on L.A. talk radio. Beautiful. Yeah, raise the wrist. You know what? We say what we want. You got exactly. It. There's no filter. No filter. Fuck Spe- it. Especially with here, because like you know, with my Aspergers, like you know, I don't have yeah, a filter, so I just. Say are you what's autistic or Aspergers or both? I I have Asperger's so. syndrome, which is a form of autism. Yeah. yeah. Okay. See, I didn't know that. Yeah. So what is that? You have trouble reading people's emotions. Yeah. So I, you can't tell that I'm incredibly upset with you right now. You are. See, I knew it. Oh, That's exactly. No way. What? No, I, I, you haven't been getting the sense of sort of vitriol and hatred that I've been putting your way. No. What, okay. Oh. Did you catch the vibe when I first came in it that I was angry. like kind of, you know, I had butterflies in my stomach and I felt immediately like you were a handsome, well-spoken man. No, I, I go. I, he really, I go, he's not catching any of this, huh? I, well, this, this is why like this is why like comedy is hard for me because I go off energy. 
Like I, I could feel yeah. energy. Like I got, I get a good energy That's vibe from you. Like you know, I feel like you're giving so positive when, energy. When you see you. comedy, you kind of go, mm, you know, you're not. It's sometimes it isn't funny to you because you're why? Why would you say that? Well, no, why is comedy tough for you. Like you just said. oh no, because like um, I read off energy. So like when audiences reaction, because my humor is very sophisticated. You know yeah. what I mean? So like sometimes like when I feel good energy, I'll like nothing I say will bomb. You know what I mean? And then when I feel bad energy, it's like everything I say will bomb. Even the stuff I know is wow. fine. And when did you find out that you were Asperger's? Uh, when I was 13, March uh. 10th, 1999. I remember that day because that was the day the Lakers traded Eddie Jones to the Charlotte Hornets for he Glenn Rice. He does have Asperger's, doesn't he? <laughs> That's the autistic <laughs> aspect, right? Is that you're there like, you I remember it's around 4.23 p.m. <laughs> And it was the, the worst sun, day of my life. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> the sun was about forty-five degrees away <laughs> from you know hitting sunset. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, what? What drew you guys to radio? I mean, you would think. Well, I do. I started the podcast because like I love comedy and I do comedy. And then like you know, it's hard. I mean, you you know, you probably don't understand because you have credits and all that stuff. But I don't have any credits. I just do comedy. Yeah. So it's hard for me to get a lot of spots, and you know, because. You're pretty good. Yeah, but it's still hard. You know what I mean? Of course, and in Los Angeles. Yeah, I remember the first time that I did a podcast in Los Angeles, or not a podcast, sorry, the first time I did like a book show open mic type thing, I went, and it was this place called Tiger Lily, and I went in, and I said, you know, I waited, and I was kind of doing the thing that all comics do, you know, where you're kind of at the bar alone, waiting yeah. for an in mm-hmm. to talk to the host or something, and I said, hey, I'm TJ Miller, I just moved here from Chicago, and I was wondering if I could do a spot. And he was like, uh-huh. And, then, and I went, uh, uh, by the way, not great energy. Right. I, I can immediately tell, not great energy. Aloha. Don't need to have Asperger's to have, to have felt the negative energy there. And I, I kind of stumbled into saying, I'm on this television show, Carpoolers, and I just did this movie, Cloverfield. So I thought, well, hey, you know, that's I'm on TV as we speak. Right. And I'm in this J.J. Abrams film. And he suddenly went, oh, really? You're on television? And I go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, and you've done a movie. Yeah. And I said, yeah. He said, oh, really? So did uh, that guy right over there. And that, that girl, she's on television. And, and he just pointed at everyone in the room being like, well, they've done Conan. And they, mm-hmm. so he's like, everybody in here has been on fucking television, man. Yeah. You know, just s- submit a link and we'll see if we have room for you in a few months. And that's the vibe in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. So that's another problem is that. Mm-hmm. Even with credits, you would. I, I'm in a much better position now, just because I've been doing stuff in Hollywood for ten years. It turns yeah. out, and that was 2018. Was that so? You felt year. the struggle too. Oh, 100. Oh, okay. percent but I think I watch other people. Yeah, I struggled a lot in Los Angeles to get in. You know, in the stand-up scene, and the reason that I became a Laugh Factory regular and that kind of stuff was solely because my credits continue to increase. Right. You know, so it's not really as much about your ability as a stand-up comedian because people are so celebrity focused mm-hmm. and obsessed here in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. The audiences mm-hmm. care more about that than if mm-hmm. you're this incredibly great stand-up comedian. And, and you know, we've, you know, it, it, it took a while for me to even get spots at the improv and I still was doing open mics and things like that. And now I'm still a guy who would go and do an open mic, but that's not really a comfortable place for me anymore because I, I come in and the room changes dramatically because everybody's like, that's the guy from the movies. Right. 
And so uh, that's really happens more in New York because in New York, they're much more uh, adept understanding that some guy's going to drop in on an open mic like Jim Gaffigan right? because um, he's doing nine spots that night. Yeah, yeah. So if this is the spot that he can do at 6.30 p.m., mm-hmm. then that's the spot he's going to sure. do. So I play the main club in Greenwich Village that I play is the Village Lantern, which has three shows a night, seven nights a week. Mm-hmm. And that's a booked... Uh, showcase that they bark people in from outside mm-hmm. and uh, I'm easily the most prominent comedian to be working there but I love it because it's close to my house and yeah. I can do I can start out the 8 o'clock go to two or three sets come back close the 10 o'clock show then maybe do a show at you know on the beginning of their midnight uh, uh, show and then pop over the Grizzly Pear, which is also like the level of Village Lantern. And then I'll go watch a show at the cellar. They have three clubs yeah, the yeah. Village Underground, the Black Pussycat, and the original Comedy Cellar. And I'll go and watch a show or sometimes do a spot or, you know, whatever it is. But I, the Comedy Cellar is a place where the best almost, of the best. Yeah, it's, it's almost more fun for me. The, the actual Comedy Cellar is not that great of a club to perform in, it's right. really hard. Everybody is, it's the one place that everybody's not from there and is going to try and see. They're like, you know, where's Louis C.K.? When's Jim Norton going up? Is Gaffigan going to drop in? Who's famous in here? Do you think yeah. tonight's the night that Chris Rock or Dave Chappelle is going to show up? And so they're not an easy audience and not a great one. The comedy uh, seller Village Underground, which is sold out all the time also, seats about 220, and that's more of a club, yeah. and that's a great place to play. Um, but so the cellar itself, I find much more interesting mm-hmm. to just go there mm-hmm. and watch because you're, you know, to see Dave Attell on the same show as Godfrey, or there's this comic Sherrod Small that's amazing and has been there forever. Th- those guys, every single set you see is mind blowing. Yeah. It's just incredible. I mean, if Sherrod Small is a host a lot and he just does this thing where he's relentless in his positivity and like his comedy and being funny. And so the audience, if they don't laugh at a joke, he's able to just get them to laugh at the fact that they didn't laugh. And, you know, he, he's just a consummate comic. Cause like, I'm from Brooklyn, anybody from Brooklyn. And then he's a Don Rickles type where he's like, uh, Oh, we got some Orthodox Jews. You guys must be from Brooklyn. How are you doing? Thank you for coming out this one time this year. This is very exciting. I won't offend you. I promise. Because we got plenty of black people in here, so I'm going to focus on that. <laughs> and you know, he's always sure. making fun of people for sure. being too white, and it's just you know, it's it's very New York. He just yeah. there's nothing he hasn't seen, and he performs every single night. And then the guy who runs the Greenwich Village Comedy Club, this guy Dustin Chafin, who's sort of a liberal from Texas who wears a cowboy hat. Um, he, you know, he he does two sets a night, and he can. I mean, it's it's amazing to watch him in front of a crowd. That the second he mentions Trump, they a lot of them are from out of town because that sure. happens in the clubs sure. a lot. Right, and they, uh, you know, you can feel them clenching up, and he's just able to like barrel through it and get them laughing. And his shit is like, you know, New York, you can fucking be seriously edgy. You know? Right, yeah. and I think you can kind of do that in Los Angeles, or you can. To it depends be sure. on certain clubs. Yeah, I think it's yeah. the club, it's the audience. Yeah. In New York, you know, he he his his political jokes like yeah. So I um I lost my parents this year. Both my parents I lost this year, and the whole audience is like, uh-huh, uh-huh, sure. where is this going? And he's like, yeah, they voted for Trump. So and then he's just like, 
you know, barrels in through that stuff. But that's a great joke because you expect them to say like death. Oh, they die. Yeah. yeah. And so everybody (laughs) freaks out and they laugh because the tension from death is, you know, a little bit more tense than (laughs) even the president. And so he kind of, you know, and he's very quick to say like, Hey, you know, get ready to make fun of yourselves. And it's just, you know, the comics in New York are so good. And the very interesting thing that I found out and have been understanding more is that if you want to be a stand-up comic, a great stand-up comic, uh, you're in New York. So there's a lot of these guys that do not want to... Their aim would be to be a stand-up comic in New York City performing every night. That would be the top of the top. So instead in Los Angeles, like, what if I got my own series, Mm -hmm. right? A sitcom or I actually started getting parts in movies or something. That's the aim in Los Angeles. So there, that's not my aim at all. That, well, but probably because you're a good comedian and yeah. you care about the comedy of it. And, and, and that's, that's why, why I like you, you know, because like you, like you, I feel you don't care about the money in comedy. You just want to make people laugh. Cause I've oh, heard, man. I've heard stories that you've done shows for one or two people. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. I, mean? I used, I did a show in Chicago for two people, uh, and there were two of us. And then one time we did one for once. There were more people on stage than the audience. But, I, you know, I go that night that I, my parents were in town a while ago. And I went, I took them to see three sets. And we went to the comic strip early, which is becoming my home club kind of. And I did a show there and it was like eight people. And it was really hard. And it yeah. did not go great. And then we went to Sam New York and that was like, you know, 14 people. And that was really hard. And then we showed up at the West Side Comedy Club, and I'm thinking, geez, you know, it's Monday or whatever. This is going to be another bad show. And then that's what my parents will have seen because they bounced around from set to set with me. Right. And we got there, and it was totally sold out. And it was, I just destroyed, and it was so fun. And that was the perfect representation of what I'm doing in New York yeah. for my parents to see me there going, he is really hustling still to this day. And you know, he's, he's, he's putting in the work in front of eight people that he's putting in front of, you know, 80 people exactly in front and, and that he's putting in front of 18 people. Mm-hmm. I always do multiples of eight. That's Kate's favorite number. And, uh, and so that was really, really good for them to see that. And, you know, it, it reminds, I think people and audiences even that, that, that is why I, that's one of the main reasons I walked away from Silicon Valley. Cause talk about leaving behind a lot of money. Right. You know, if I stayed on Silicon Valley to season seven or whatever they're going to go to, you know, then I can buy a boat and have a house in, not that I would want this, but like have a house in Bel Air or, you know, some sort of one of those Los Feliz mansions and three cars and a four car garage and a couple of motorcycles. And I just don't give a fuck about that. I mean, Abe would love that, I think. But I, you know, I swear to God, if if I I had gotten to that point, I probably would have bought Abe an Escalade and then just, you know, been working with him. That's more important to me. We, our cars are a, here, uh, my wife's grandmother's car, we inherited a candy apple red Cadillac STS from like 2006 or something. Wow. And then I have a 1992, wait for it, 1992 Mitsubishi 3000 GT VR4 oh. twin turbo I that I have, <laughs> I have in a, I, I have, there's only one other one in Los Angeles. Yeah. And I see it everywhere. It's turquoise and it's not a twin turbo, it's not a twin turbo. but you can feel that when we're on the same road, that that dude is like, 
There's the other one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't see them on the road, <laughs> no. and they look like they're from the future. So oh, they look yeah. like just... from Back to the Future or something. Yeah. And I garage that car here, and my father, who's a car guy, he is so quick to. And Abe knows my father. I mean, that's his main focus: his cars. And he will just make fun of me. He was going to get rid of that car, oh. and I said, "Well, that was the first sports car I ever drove. That was." the uh, first car that I ever went with you to the dealership to buy. So there's a lot of nostalgia for that car. Kate and I have had some pretty amazing times in that car. So can I buy it from you? And he was like, it's not worth, it's like worth $2,000. And if it breaks down once, you're going to have to pay more than $2,000 to fix it. He said, it doesn't matter to me. It's a classic car. And so I garage it and he always makes fun of me. He's like, you know, each year, uh, you're paying more than the car is worth to garage it. And it's like, yeah, but I don't want a fucking Jaguar. Like yeah. where we Sentimental live, which value is in a, yeah, where we live, which is in a weird, um, you know, you know, the secret staircases in Hollywood and stuff like that. Yeah. We sort of live in a place that is a pedestrians only neighborhood sort of. And, um, but the row of garages where we live, uh, and we, we garage the Cadillac. It's like, Jaguar, Jaguar, Jaguar uh, SUV, Mercedes, Audi, Audi. You know, it's it's that type of thing. That was me. That's the five minute light. No, I think that always goes off whenever I say Audi. <laughs> Sorry, he's got he's got that Asperger's thing where he's like, I want to make sure that Audi has an alarm. Uh, but it's you know that just doesn't matter to me. And so leaving Silicon Valley was kind of more. And people now are really nice online. They say, Oh, we miss you in Silicon Valley. We wish you would come back. And that's nice. Every once in a while, I hear that. But I had done that character for five years. I didn't think that the show was becoming any less cyclical. I thought that it would be positive for the series for me to take off. And I just couldn't justify spending six months a year here, not able to do more than five or six shows a week and only being able to tour for a month on a bus, that whole deal, which is so awesome. But just living here six months out of the year or five months, but there's no reason for Kate to come out here because the art scene here is, is really kind of, it's really shitty. It's kind of dog shit compared, especially compared to New York. Right. So she's going to festivals in Avignon, France, and they know her in uh, Cape town. And also uh, we went to art Basel and she's really well known in the expat art community in Tangier. Mm-hmm. in Morocco and all of that comes from New York yeah coming to Los Angeles you kind of you know it's Mr. Brainwash level yeah. shit and so I just I didn't want to be on a TV show that I felt like I'd done and I really was starting to go on autopilot and then there was this you know this aspect of it where I would need to do reshoots for something like Deadpool or something and so then they have to move around production and then the you know, the movie studio would keep moving it around, kind of not giving a shit, being like, yeah, okay, you're on a television show, but we're making a movie, okay? And there was that, and then I was doing sets at night, so I was showing up exhausted all the time in the morning because I had pushed it and tried, did a 14-hour day and then done two sets that night, and that would be, you know, something that just, it it became much more work than it was a pleasure to go to, and I, I had to turn down movie after movie in the sense that they would say, uh, you know, we're interested in you for this role. Are you available in any time except for the summer? And right. Like, no. Yeah. And say, so, okay, well, we're going to move on and 
figure out a way to make this movie because we have to shoot it in October uh. or whatever. This is going to go in May, April, May, and June. And, and I'd be like, well, I'm available in June if you want to switch the whole movie thing around. And that's not how it works. Um, so it was that too. And I thought, well, if I'm going to be in television, I should be producing it like Goreberger, where if I do need to do something, I can have somebody else and say, you know, I, I work with this guy, Miller Davis, a lot, who is, um, we're cousins and I trust him immensely and his sensibility and all of it. And so I'm able to kind of say, okay, I need to be gone for a week to do this thing right. or I'm touring this weekend. So I'm not going to be here Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So can you handle the Thursday, sure. Friday aspect of it? And so that's, that's kind of where I am now is if I would do television, if I could be a executive producer on it, um, but outside of that, it, I feel really good about the television work I've done. And I like films because you're the character, you do it, it's done. It's not going to get canceled or something like that. Right. And sure. You know, I do, I'm in a couple of franchises, so maybe I'll play Fred from big hero six in big hero seven, <laughs> but that's, you know, those come years in between each other. So it's really refreshing to return to a character and, you know, you're doing a month or two on it, not five months every year, all that. So it's really fortunate. I mean, it's not like I'm like, eh, Silicon Valley, whatever. I mean, I owe them a lot. I owe Clay Tarver and um, Mike Judge, you right. know, a, a lot just in terms of how good of a comedian I am. Because yeah. that, that was like going to, it was like getting a PhD in comedy with Mike Judge as the professor and Clay Tarver as the writing yeah. and directing instructor. I mean, that was that was pretty incredible. And then, you know, it wasn't, I think this happens on a lot of television shows. If you got great chemistry and the show works and it, it, it crushes and really pops, then how many more words can I use where I feel like a douchebag? It crushes, it pops, it really <laughs> plays, it's got a real pizzang to it. Um, you know, if you're able uh, to be on something like that, usually the chemistry between the cast is really nice. But yes. when the fame and the success and the grind of the publicity mm -hmm. And the years after years within these characters and relationships happens. Um, it's really hard after four seasons for there not to, to keep be, it up. Yeah, and for there not to be, you know, if, just like if you're at, at work and you start to be like, God damn, this person that I used to love to see in the morning, you don't like cubicles enjoy down it. Right. When I was at a law firm, you know, after two years, people that I liked in the beginning, I'm like, oh boy, this is going to be. And they were like that with me. You know, they're like, great, TJ's coming in again, singing and acting like a ding dong in the morning. It's kind of like, like a basketball does. team. I do that. He's a morning person. <laughs> yeah. It is like a basketball team. That's yeah. right. And, you know, in a bas basketball team is a great analogy because then certain players start to get more notoriety or mm -hmm. a player that was killing and doing great. Then a different player gets a deal for a headphone endorsement, mm -hmm. and then it changes the social dynamic and the, their status anxiety and all that kind of stuff. So things just lined up to be able to – and I, I can already feel I've toured – in March it'll be 50 weeks in one year. Wow. And which is, you know – Fantastic. That's something that Norm MacDonald does. I mean that's I love the kind Norm. of level yeah. – that's a level of uh, stand-up and work that he's doing. And I can already feel that I'm just a completely different comedian. When people say that when they see me, they're just like, oh, my God, you're it's become a different thing. And that can't happen if you're not touring and headlining every weekend all over the United States and now all over the world. Yeah. You know? And so it's uh, 
it's it's been the best thing and i just i like it so much to be able to go set up shop in dayton ohio or something and i decide what i'm talking about that night mm-hmm. i change it each audience yes. is different there's no filter between me and the audience mm-hmm. yeah well, TJ, I hate to be rude, Fitness. but we're actually it's not rude. Yeah, but we're out of time in the directors. <laughs> but I wanted to plug your uh, levity shows one more time uh, this weekend at Levity Live at Oxnard. Uh, tickets at or at www.levity.oxnard.com. Yes. <laughs> See, www.levity.fakenameofacity.oxballs.nardo. But I want I want everyone to come see you because you're a brilliant comic and you're one of my heroes. And thank you so thank much you. for doing you're one of my show. heroes. And was thank there any you. question uh, that we didn't get to that? To yeah, there, there's but Sam's there. like saying because they have a Are one o'clock so show. Do you even yeah. have one? Have one. Oh yeah, my the yeah. one question I had was. Uh, uh, did you ever meet Dan Aykroyd? Oh. Yes. Your, yeah. Oh, okay. And what a guy. What a weird, strange man who has a crystal skull vodka. He has Asperger's. He's <laughs> in magic. He, yeah. Does he have Asperger's? Yeah. So he is, uh, yeah, I, I, like you, he's got a great energy and he's a real weirdo. Yeah. So yeah, but I like, I mean, it was fun. Yogi Bear 3D is the best work that I've ever done in my life. And then what was your... Your experience in, in, in circus... Uh, yeah, circus uh, arts. Yeah, circus arts. Um, I always felt that circus arts was like a really athletic deal that, you know, all the... As you can tell from my body type, <laughs> I'm not very good no, at it. I'm just saying it was like, you know, that a clown was like, you know... I think that's really true. I mean, you know, especially doing pratfalls and things like that. Yeah. But I'm a juggler yeah. and I have Look, circus elements in sure, my stand-up right now. Sure. And juggling is incredibly athletic. Oh, it takes please. great mental acuity. <laughs> but I, you know, yeah, I can unicycle yeah. and still oh, walk and all that sure. stuff. And um, I think that the circus right now really balances out the philosophy. And I think the big thing that I'm doing right now in stand-up is that there's sort of some philosophical, really substantial elements to the act, and that's balanced by circus. So I'll talk about morality being relative and the subjectivity to moral values throughout history, which is very Nietzschean. And then right when it's about to become a slightly amusing TED (laughs) Talk, boom, I'm juggling. (laughs) Suddenly, there's a slide trombone for no reason. I mean, there's clown all of a sudden. I dropped the the mic cord out. Now I'm talking silently. It's mime. TJ, I love you very much. That's what I I wanted to hear. Thanks for having me. I hope you guys will have me back. This is very fun. I would love to have you back. Uh, Follow TJ at NotTJMiller on Twitter and Facebook and see him this weekend. That's ridiculous. Instagram is Teenage Millionaire because that's what I dress like. Yeah. Thanks, TJ. You're listening to Razor Riffs with Keith Razor and Alan Lee right here on LA Talk Radio.